Welcome to this episode of my podcast inquiry. Today I'm joined by Andrew Corrin. Andrew is a doctor, an award-winning author, and an avocado orchardist. Welcome, Dr. Corrin. Thank you. It's good to be here, Hugo. So, how does your job work? Oh, I have a few different jobs. So that's a bit of a tricky question. Um, I work as a primary care physician uh, and a GP, seeing patients uh, every day uh, out in the community, trying to keep them out of hospital, but referring them into hospital when I need to, uh, with a focus on keeping them well uh, and healthy, trying to prevent disease and the treat disease when it presents itself. I also work as a clinical researcher, uh, developing and testing new medicines for people. Uh, I also have a role in uh, governance with the PHO, which is a primary health organization. I'm a clinical director there, and that involves policy setting and governance of different health organizations and projects. And when I'm not doing medical work, I write and I podcast and I grow avocados. So was this always the plan? Oh, from the beginning when I was thinking about my career. When I was young, I wanted to be an astronaut. So I think that's a bit different to what I'm ending up doing now. Um, I, I loved space. I loved looking up to the stars and dreaming about traveling to the moon because I was one year old when the moon landing occurred in 1969. I don't remember that particular moment, but it, uh, it framed a lot of my youth because it, it was a big part of, of uh, world conversations, space exploration. And I was captured by the, um, by the unknown environment of space. And I've always enjoyed exploration and, and thinking about the, the, new, the next frontier. So space was something I dreamed about doing as a child, as for a career, but, uh, but that didn't work out. And I'm very happy with the direction my life has taken since then. So what's the process of getting into your job from high school and then into university? I knew from when I was a teenager that medicine and being a doctor was the direction I wanted to go in. Um, I had an interesting high school career because I grew up overseas and in a number of different high school environments. And I came back to New Zealand as a 15 year old. I left home, left my parents living in the South Pacific, and I boarded in New Zealand to finish my high school years. And I applied to go to medical school, but I just missed out the, uh, the criteria for being accepted to medical school then depended entirely on having very high grades from high school. And I didn't quite make it, got very close, but didn't quite make it. So I decided to do a science degree. I did a double major in science before I then did some postgraduate research and then reapplied to medical school and, and got in uh, without any difficulty because I'd completed a very high standard of science degree, uh, made it into the second year of the medical program and went from there. That's very cool. So growing up overseas, what were some of the weird things that you experienced? Yeah, that's a good question. I grew up in particularly two different 
cultures. One was in the Solomon Islands and the other one was in Papua New Guinea. And these are parts of the Pacific called Melanesia. Uh, and those two people groups uh, had uh, unusual or different, I should say, worldviews from my own. Uh, and so what was unusual or weird was trying to adapt the perspective on life that I had as a Western white person uh, to living in a community of, of Melanesian people where they considered uh, community and social life to be very different to what we did, uh, where they were very much um, bound by uh, social structures and group dynamics. And what that meant is that, for example, in, in Papua New Guinea, uh, there are over 300 distinctly different languages and therefore distinctly different people groups. And because there are so many different people groups, they uh, tend to hold their identity and their distinctiveness very, uh, very closely and they prize it very highly. And as a result of this, there were often many battles and many wars that were going on between the different tribes and the different people groups um, and for example in the in the in the uh, place that I lived my best friend and I would often be out exploring in the in the jungle and in the rivers between two villages and I remember it wasn't unusual to have two villages being at war with each other with their bow and arrow weapons uh, with screaming and shouting, and we would just be playing downriver from this, not really thinking too much about it because it was it was normal and it was common. Um, the animals in these countries were very distinct and different to what we have in New Zealand as well. I got chased out of the water once by a, a sea snake, some of the most venomous of animals, and I was very lucky to escape that. Um, there are some incredible birds and lizards and frogs. It's a spectacular environment if you love nature and you love exploring. And, and that was that was a highlight for me to to live in and enjoy seeing all these different um, animals and creatures and 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 ways of living. That's an amazing childhood. Mm. So how do you keep that part of your life going, that exploration part? I think the most powerful tool in exploration is not a rocket or a submarine, but it's the mind. I think our imagination and our capacity to think of the world as it could be, not just as it is now, is the most important tool in, in discovering new things, new ways of being new ways of dreaming. Uh, and so for me, that has been the reason why I've enjoyed writing and in particular creative writing in the last few years, because it's encouraged my imagination to work uh, in a way that helps me uh, discover how other people think and behave and how different parts of the world operate uh, outside of my own experience. And my my current writing project is a historical fiction novel, and I've spent four years researching this, reading about a different people group and a different culture and environment so that I can then apply the, the tool of imagination uh, to help me explore creatively 
what that uh, what that story could look like. What does a day look like for you right now? Well, this year has been a challenging year for me uh, because my plans at the beginning of the year took a sudden uh, and sharp turn in a direction I didn't appreciate or uh, or plan for because I sustained quite a serious injury to my left hand in February. I'm left-handed and I use my hands a lot in my different work roles. Uh, and because of this injury, uh, I have required three operations to try and correct the damage. It's required uh, grafting and reconstructive surgery. And unfortunately, after seven months and all these operations, it still hasn't been fixed and more surgery is, is ahead of me. So uh, my day, my usual day this year has, has taken a particularly unusual turn. It used to involve going into my clinic and seeing patients. Uh, and when I had spare time, uh, doing a bit of writing and looking after the avocado orchard. But instead of that, I was unable to work for a few months. And so I was able to devote, uh, I was able to devote a lot of time to writing. And I got my manuscript completed, which was really exciting. I also had the opportunity to step into the role of PHO clinical director, because that uh, was something I was able to do without the use of my hands. And, uh, and I've returned recently part time to doing my general practice work and my clinical research work. Uh, although that is still quite constrained by my injury. So there's uncertainty ahead of me at the moment with when my hand will, will return to full function and allow me to get back to full time work. But one of my favorite quotes comes from an author called G.K. Chesterton, who was the author that significantly influenced J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, amongst others. He said, adventure is inconvenience rightly considered. And inconvenience is adventure wrongly considered. So when I consider this year and the inconvenience of my injury, instead of regretting the impact that it's had, I've tried to have a perspective that says there is adventure to be had here, there is exploration to be had here, and I've enjoyed the opportunities that the year has presented of, of writing more extensively, of stepping into a new role as clinical director at PHO, uh, and of what may still be ahead of me. What's an interesting story from your life? Uh, I love storytelling. Uh, how about I give you a selection to choose from, and you can tell me what story you'd like to hear. So there could be a story about having a medical emergency in the jungles of Thailand and being evacuated by an elephant. There could be a story about being caught up in the middle of an actively erupting volcano in the Philippines. Uh, there could be a story about discovering how village healers would treat people in Kenya for their headaches and for their snake bites and trying to save lives that had been adversely impacted by those treatments. Uh, there could be a story about being part of an important discovery in the treatment of people with eye problems uh, through my research and use of electron microscopes. Or I could tell some stories about uh, 
being with some incredible animals in the unique islands of the Galapagos archipelago. What would you like to hear about, Hugo? I'd love to hear about the Galapagos Islands animals. Cool. Well, that's the most recent story. Um, just three years ago, uh, I was able to travel with my family to the Galapagos Islands. These are a, 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 an archipelago of volcanic islands about a thousand kilometers off the coast of Ecuador. And I'd been dreaming about having this trip for 25 years. Um, and it's an expensive place to get to. It uh, takes a lot of time and commitment. And uh, I really wanted to plan and prepare for this trip really carefully, which I did quite extensively over those 25 years of dreaming about it by watching documentaries and reading books. And my expectations were very high about visiting this unique place in the world. In fact, I was a bit worried when we traveled there that maybe my expectations were so high, I'd actually end up being a bit disappointed by the reality. But actually, it was exactly the opposite. It was even better so much better than I could have dreamed. Well, we traveled to the Galapagos Islands and and loved seeing all the remarkable animals that have evolved and adapted to the unique volcanic environment that is the Galapagos Islands. Uh, we, we knew about and we loved seeing the various land tortoises that had adapted to, to living life on, on the different islands. Loved seeing the marine iguanas, the only uh, lizards in the world that actually swim and dive and feed on algae under the water. Because when they first arrived on the Galapagos Islands from South America, there was no vegetation on these volcanic outcrops. So they had to adapt to survive by feeding on vegetation under the water. And uh, I had some fantastic experiences of, of swimming with these marine iguanas uh, as, they, as they fed. They would sit on the on the black rock of the volcanic uh, shoreline, warming up because, of course, they're reptiles. And by ten o'clock in the morning, their body temperature was high enough for them to then go swimming in the in the icy cold water of the of the Galapagos uh, archipelago. Um, they they had developed they had developed um, salt excreting glands on their noses, and so their noses and snouts were covered in in white salt because they'd sneezed the, the salt out of the out of their out of their tissues uh, salt that had accumulated while they were while they were swimming and feeding um, had fantastic experiences free diving with um, manta rays and hammerhead sharks and the wealth of of marine life that was that was uh, in the in the nutrient rich water of the Galapagos Islands but probably the highlight for me was when we were swimming in the coldest uh, currents between the islands of Fernandina and Isabella. Deep, deep and very cold water. Um, and it was uh, replete with jellyfish. And a creature that loved to feed on the jellyfish was the mola mola or sunfish. And we were cruising on the, on the boat that we were traveling for 10 days and uh, around the Galapagos Islands, looking for for Mola Mola, uh, knowing that this was the area they were in. And then we spotted in front of us some fins in the water, floppy fins. So unlike shark fins, which stand very erect, the sunfish fins 
tend to be a little bit floppy. They sit above the water, but are a bit floppy. So the crew on the boat knew exactly what we were looking at and headed towards them. And we had the remarkable opportunity to swim with the sunfish uh, who were schooling. There were about 30 of them together in this water that was so, so deep and cold. Um, my imagination played games with me and made me made me wonder about what was way down in the deep water um, as I was swimming with the sunfish. But there was one particular sunfish that I swam next to for about 40 minutes. Uh, we, we were only separated by about perhaps a meter. This the sunfish was three meters tall and its eye was about the size of a of a dessert bowl. And we just looked at each other as we swam along together for 40 minutes. And it was the most incredibly um, moving experience to be next to such an unusual creature. They they are shaped like discs. So imagine a three meter circle that is maybe around about um, 400 millimeters wide. So very thin and very wide. Uh, just a crazy shape for a fish with these enormous fins at the top and the bottom and this huge eye. And uh, and we swam together just looking at each other, each of us examining the other strange creature, wondering what was going on. But there was no fear from the sunfish. Uh, it was just studying me intently with its eye as we moved through the water and it fed on the jellyfish. At one moment, uh, as, it, as, as uh, it moved a little bit ahead of me, out of the corner of my eye, I saw another shape moving towards me. And in that dark, dark, cold water, when my imagination was playing games with me about what else might be in the water, and to be honest, I was a little bit scared about what could be down there, I saw this huge gray shape swimming straight at me. And in a moment of brief panic, I thought, oh, it's a great white shark, because we'd been swimming with sharks. Uh, but as it turned, it was just another huge sunfish moving towards me. But it was it, it amused me that my imagination in that in that in that place where I was so moved by the beauty of the sunfish and the uh, the the unusual moment of of spending so much time with this unusual creature that I would still find fear and panic uh, in the unknown. And I think that's why it was such a precious moment because because it was so completely different to anything I'd ever experienced before. And my imagination was able to play games with me in good ways and in bad ways. But the Galapagos Islands were uh, a stunning example of the beauty of creation and the capacity of creatures to adapt to their environment and evolve in, in ways to allow them to survive. That's an amazing story. Thank you so much for being on and joining me today. You've provided so many amazing experiences and stories, and it's been really cool to sit down and chat with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've enjoyed this. Thank you, Hugo. Thanks for listening to this episode of my podcast, Inquiry. A special thanks to Andrew Corrin for being on this episode. You can see more about Dr. Andrew Corrin at drcorrin.nz. Make sure you listen to his podcast, Elder Tales.